This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The Church Boys. Awkward transition. Now, <laughs> Sarah, you've been working on a uh, on some um, editorials and things, uh, and dealing with some contributor contributor uh, text. And I know that you have expressed some of your own thoughts on this about the Chattanooga shooting uh, that happened this week. Um, four dead Marines and yeah. some other injured folks, and uh, an att- Billy is so just annoying. He's way <laughs> you can't see him. It's got his own back scratcher. Sorry. <laughs> it's totally irreverent to say while I'm trying to talk about this story. But in Chattanooga, he, he had this guy, um, this Muslim terrorist, essentially, uh, shot up at two different military installations seven miles apart in Chattanooga and, and killed at least four Marines and wounded others. <clears throat> but you had a, a unique take on it. Would you? And you're a military wife. Would you kind of... Tell people what your thought process has been through this whole um, this whole ordeal. Well, yeah, I mean, so first of all, as soon as I see anything dealing with an active shooter situation in a military base, my my heart just automatically starts to break, and I I'm getting a little emotional thinking about it right now. I'm kind of tearing up. Like I don't, I'm not a crier. Billy can attest to this. So the fact that you know i'm sharing this is is, it's pretty pretty big deal because i'm kind of a private person but in general it is so devastating to me that we have situations like this happening and it's i mean obviously it's devastating when anybody dies for any kind of violence in any kind of anywhere in the world but i i'm so close to this and i have spent so much time with people in the military i'm married to my husband's in the Air Force. I spent time deployed. I was deployed for 16 months in Afghanistan from February 2012 until May 2013. And I attended what are called ramp ceremonies there where they, after a casualty on the battlefield, they would perform this ceremony as a way to send for for the um, service members, uh, comrades to send him off on his way home on his final flight. And it would be a ceremony on the airfield with um, all of the dignity and, and pomp and circumstance that you can imagine that the military puts on when a member of their own falls like that. And it is just, I, I, I can't stand the thought that this is happening here. Right. It just makes it because so incredible. It makes that, it makes that sacrifice or that, the agreement to be willing to sacrifice so incredibly real. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's always real. You live, assuming you, you marry someone in the military or if you're a parent and you support your child who decides to enlist or become an officer in the military, you accept a few certain things. And some of those things are the possibility that your loved one will die in service to their country. And, you know, and, and you accept that. And that's just one of the things that when you see that person sign on the dotted line and raise their right hand and swear to defend their country, that you know is a possibility. Yeah. But the fact that that possibility is becoming more and more realistic and happening here in the U.S. when they're home, when they're quote-unquote safe, right. is what is especially excruciating for me to have to think about. Um, because... 
you know, when you're, you're getting ready to deploy your service member and they're going overseas somewhere, um, and you, you kind of go through a checklist. You go and you, you make a will. You you talk about what happens if, and you you start to accept and you live with those what ifs. But the fact that I have to send my husband to work every day, where he works on a military installation, and now start those what ifs here that he might die trying to get on base to his office because there's an active shooter who's trying to get on a military base or there's someone who got on a military base with a weapon and they go and they, they go to where he is or God forbid I'm on base for a doctor's appointment and there's someone who decides to go in and shoot up that medical office. It's just not something that you're prepared to accept. That's not a reality. Right. Is your husband that we should have to accept? Is your husband ever armed when he's on base domestically? No, no, he he can't he can't be armed. There are, there, are I mean, there are some there are right there are some who are on there are some who are on onto military base. Right there are some who are on guard duty, who have who have weapons who are I mean they're military weapons, but he doesn't have a weapon on base that he has access to. No. So now, I think. Now, go ahead. No, they, like, they're not allowed to carry all weapons with the exception of the military police officers and any contracted security guards that are on base. Right. All weapons are, are stored in an armory. They're under lock and key. They're not accessible. Okay. So now I think, you, I think you said to me that was part of why you guys chose not to live on base or have, have chosen or have always chosen or at least now or not or whatever. What's your living situation and why, why do you live the way you do? When you... Um, when you're in the military, you have an option to, to apply for on-base housing, and the, the military pays the stipend to the service member to pay to help cover the cost of a certain percentage of their, their housing costs. Because what happens is, because it's a free market, um, housing around military bases kind of goes up and increases because the demand is for housing is so high. Right. So the military and the government help offset that a little bit. And so we could opt to live on base in a military house um, and be in a completely military community um or we can rent a house or in our case we bought a house off of base and we've always chose to live off base because we own firearms Hmm. and we wouldn't be able to have those on base we wouldn't be able to have those accessible to us on base Hmm. i'm not sure what the regulations are i'm i know that you're not allowed to have them in your home um when you're on base so I don't know if you have to keep them in an armory, if you have to sign them out to somebody, but it's a lot of paperwork and hassle to go through uh, when you want to own firearms, when you want to have them for your home protection. And you've seen some of my Slack messages in, in our, our, you know, back and forth to the territorial chats. We're very pro Second Amendment. We love yeah. our guns. We go to the range on a regular basis. We have three handguns and I think six rifles in our house in a safe. Properly locked up, properly maintained, and properly so and properly we moved. Wouldn't be able to have those. And properly moved into your house by now, right? Yes, after <laughs> the safe fell on my my father-in-law in the process of moving there now. I shouldn't, I shouldn't laugh, but that was all. When you told that whole story, John Seidel style, <laughs> I was laughing my rear end off. <laughs> so, um, so yes, yeah, so we could, we wouldn't be able to do that if we were on base. Now, are you gonna? You had talked about putting out a, a contributor piece on theblaze.com. Are you gonna? Are you gonna be doing that? You think, or is that still kind of up in the air? 
we're working on it. It needs to get, you know, go through all the wickets of approval before we can put it up. Right. But, you know, I'm going back to my other point. It's just, it's excruciating to have to make these kinds of what if plans as part of my everyday thinking. Right. You know, you, you, when you, de- you deploy your service member, you send them away, you know that for eight months, they are going to be gone. They're going to be in harm's way. And you build up all of this anxiety, all of this fear and stress, and you cope with it and you deal with it. And you, you always have this little pit in your stomach knowing that something could happen at any time. Yeah. And as soon as they come home, all of that goes away or it should be able to go away. And that's not necessarily the reality that we live with anymore. Yeah. And it, um, it's something that is going to take some time to get used to. All right. Well, well, we love you, Sarah. And we say that we, we say that in, with all sincerity, uh, and we appreciate what Speak you and your family. Yourself. I know we, I say that with all sincerity. <laughs> we appreciate I've never known you to be sincere. Chris Field. <laughs> <laughs> I, I say that with all the sincerity I can muster. How about that? 